0: Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat hers with Faster Skier. We are back with the final Olympics edition of the podcast. And wow, what a day we get to recap for you. We are delighted to have retired American Olympians Holly Brooks and Sadie Bjornson on this episode to break down a historic day for the US team, a silver medal for Jesse Diggins in the 30K skate. We cover everything else from Teres Johag's last Olympic medal to the chase for silver and bronze and strong performances by the entire American squad. We'll be back after this message, and a quick note before we get there, this podcast and this live coverage from the Olympics here in China would not be possible without the generous support of Marty and Kathy Hall. Thanks, you guys. We appreciate it. This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by New Moon Ski & Bike, located in beautiful Hayward, Wisconsin's picturesque Northwoods region, which borders Michigan's Upper Peninsula and is home to the country's largest cross-country ski race, the American Birkebiner. The Berkey has over 100 kilometers of cross-country ski trails that stretch from Cable, Wisconsin to Hayward. Some have named the trail as the number one cross-country ski destination in the entire United States. The trails are groomed and maintained for both skate and classic skiing, or ditch the ski Altogether, and go fat biking instead. Hayward boasts more than 50 miles of groomed fat bike trails to choose from. New Moon has ski and fat bike rentals available with experts ready for waxing and repair services. Berkebeiner Week starts February 23rd and runs through February 27th, 2022. New Moon is fully stocked with everything you'll need Berkey Week and beyond. They're the area's premier shop for skis, snowshoes, and fat bikes, offering store-wide discounts, expert fitting, and outstanding customer service. When in Hayward, look for them on Highway 63 in the Big Log Chalet or check them out online at newmoonski.com.
1: What a, what a fantastic performance by the U.S., first and, first and foremost. Now, I was understanding it. It was, uh, it was quite the way to end the Olympics. I mean, like, the weather was insane like it was yesterday, so windy. Some gutsy performances, some, like, it's quite thrilling at the end for that last medal. But uh, the story of the day is like Jesse, I mean, Jesse, well, the story of the day is Teresa, let's be honest. And um, we're going to start there because like Johag wins three individual gold in Seyfeld. She wins three individual gold in Oberstorf last year at the world championships. Then she comes here and she wins three individual gold. It's not often you see Teresa like super, super moved after she wins gold medals because she's so used to it. Mm -hmm. But you saw it today at the 30K. This is her last Olympic race. It's been quite the journey. And, uh, you know, it, it, she was, she was very, very emotional at the end of this one. And with good reason, I mean, she smashed the competition. I feel like we all take that for granted. We're all like everyone, the media fans, everyone's like, well, yeah, are just going to ski away. But it's like, you girls can speak to that when you were a huge favorite for a race, like it's a lot of pressure and. I felt like there was a lot of pressure and hard work and everything being released after the performance she did and and what a performance it was. I mean, skiing alone like that and we'll get back. Jesse also skied alone. It was, it was just a kind of a crazy race that way.
2: Yeah. I mean, first of all, like Teresa is like amazing. Right. And um, I mean, that's, that's like, it's incredible. Like when you think about like what she's been through and like just her consistency and like how she delivers under so much pressure at the same time from like a, um, like US ski fan or whatever, we're kind of like, Oh gosh, there she goes again. Right. (laughs) You know, which is what I think made the 10 K so, so exciting. But I mean, you're absolutely right. Like it's incredible. Um, you know, she definitely achieved legend status if she wasn't there already, and, you know, she makes it look easy with a tempo that is the same, whether it's a sprint or a 30 K. So, you know, it was an incredible race for her and it, it's always, you know, I, I think fun to see someone like choked up and overcome by emotion at, at the end. Um, I think that's part of the Olympic spirit. So it was cool to see.
3: They should have, um, they should have turned this race, the women's race into a 50 K just so we could have seen <clears throat> how long Tourette's could have, uh, kept that pace up because it just you know yeah. it, it feels like like holly said like it just you know she could do that until you know she got back skied back to normal hmm.
2: right right i mean she didn't even look that tired like at at the <laughs> end
1: right <laughs> so, so uh, there's that. No, it, it is it is incredible that she can just keep that that uh and the thing that's incredible is like, she has a high tempo. She's really, really small. I mean, everyone knows that. I don't have to explain the obvious. She's, she's quite short. She's like five one. Um, but the progression, I mean, I've gone on and on and on about this previously, but the progression of her technique is something that is something to behold. Like while she has, she skis with a high tempo, almost out of necessity, she's hitting her angles really well. She's incredibly stable in her core and, I I just I mean I'm old and this dates me but I I still just can't like really wrap my head around that this is the same woman that was third in the 30k classic in Sapporo as a junior skiing like like she's mashing potatoes in a mashing potatoes competition which is like (laughs) smashing everything like like everything going every which way and then this is the same person today still hammering out that tempo but with with all the angles in the right places and it's uh impressive to see, but what, like, I wanted to ask you two girls, like, it's not, I mean, I know in the women's field at the sharp end of the race, it's kind of normal for for whatnot to, for the race to be blown to blown to pieces. And this one uh, was as advertised, but there was three women that skied like after about what, like seven K there was three women, six K. There was like three women that skied completely alone in those conditions at the last race of the Olympics, Teresa, she's used to it but like Diggins, man, Diggins looked shattered with, <laughs> like, with, especially with a lap to go Diggins was shattered and yet still putting distance into that other pack skiing completely solo. And we're going to spend time on this later, but like Eva Anderson is the heartbreak of the Olympics for me. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. like totally alone, holding that gap of around 30 seconds. So, so long. And with 0. 0.6 kilometers to go that sprint hill, that last hill, coming into the stadium uh you know the wheels just started to fall off and then halfway up that climb like the wheels were gone like the wheels fell off and rolled down the ravine and burst into flames and and uh that was really hard to see i don't know but can you guys speak to that like i mean in my career was we just got to chill in the pack for a lot of that and then the pack would just get whittled down whittled down whittled down but um like what's going through your head with something like that? Or were you surprised to see that? I was I was a little surprised that it was so blown open like that for each person, for each medal.
2: Okay, well, what was crazy is that it was hard to figure out like when that actually happened. I mean, it happened like five minutes or like eight minutes into the race. And everyone here, we had a bunch of people here cheering for the team. And, you know, and I th- feel like they went to commercial break, like when it kind of blew apart, like something happened at that first feed like five minutes into the race. And then people went and it, it just kind of blew apart, like right away. And it was, you know, we kind of had to keep checking like, Whoa, it's really early into the race for that to happen. Like, I know this is women's racing, but
4: wow. Like that's, that's bold. And so, I mean, I don't know. What do you think Sades? I mean, I feel like it was really unique to the the conditions too. Cause if you have a, if you have something implode like that at one fourth of the way into the race and you have a pack working together generally that pack would catch the person but i mean as we all saw that pack was fighting for who wanted to lead and it was just nobody wanted to lead that chase pack so it didn't close until suddenly they started smelling the metal at the end and then they could close that gap but it just allowed that like that explosion to last longer than we're used to in women's races
2: I mean, it was amazing how fast it blew apart. And then it was amazing how long those gaps held. And I mean, to be honest, I was kind of like, wow, this is like the first time that a men's race is like more exciting than
1: a women's race, you know? Cause exactly. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Until the last Because I
1: mean, no, it was it was
2: I mean, there was some like what's gonna happen, right? Um But I mean, until the last like two k, it was a little bit of a. I mean, I mean, it was impressive. Don't get me wrong, but it like the gaps were so big, it felt like the medals were out there until you know, like you said, Devin, like poor Ebby Anderson. Like, but what do you think, Matt? Yeah.
3: Well, well, I just, I just thought that it actually was an open question as to whether the race was going to come back together. You know, it was sort of like maybe it was like first, first ten k. You still have that question of like, you know, okay, like Ebba and Delphine Claudel, the French skier and Jesse and uh, they go with Diggins. And then it's pretty like, I just, it, I felt like it was like, you couldn't actually have scripted a more exciting race where it was like, okay, these three ladies go with Tressio Hagen clearly are setting a pace that's like harder than the pace than, that, that they can sustain for 30 kilometers. And they're probably going to blow up. And then are these other ladies going to catch them? And, and you know, it, I think for the first 10K, like you could kind of hold that tension in your mind. And then maybe for the second 10K, it did because they, it seemed like the, that chase pack made, was, they initially were making up ground on Ab- Abba Anderson. And then for yeah. a time that gap started it. growing again. And then it was like, okay, yeah, this race is just going to be a snooze and we'll, we'll it's, it's done. We'll okay. go to sleep. And then the last 10K was like, okay, now we're actually like, you know, getting exciting again there's tension and I, I just felt like it was absolutely thrilling and even Jesse, like I mean maybe Devin uh, and 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 you know Holly and Sadie maybe you guys are just getting sleepy in Alaska because it's like you know <laughs> late there but but I felt like you know you you were watching Jesse. I mean we didn't we didn't know she had poisoning and and was you know just kind of holding on by a thread but I you know you could kind of see it in her technique where she's just like double pulling over the tops of these hills like she's holding that gap but like you know what can happen in a 30k where where you cramp uh, which Jesse did cramp or you bonk and like you can Jesse could have lost that minute gap in a minute and and so i just felt like you know there was there was excitement and tension kind of the whole way but you know i had it did have the benefit of being you know 100
1: yards away so i
3: don't yeah. know
1: but i think like here's here's like my little pushback from a viewer again like we're not there But, like, once those gaps were formed, as a viewer, we don't know Jesse Diggins has food poisoning has been, like, shitting all night and stuff. Like, we don't know that. And the other thing, too, we don't know is, like, Ebba Anderson has this big gap for a lot of that, like, over 30 seconds. Like, on that course, which is totally wide open and the pictures kind of fool you, you, the pack looks like they're right there. And then you see the timing split and it's, like, 36 seconds back. They're, like, this isn't some random Skier that's like having one that is uh taking a flyer, like Eva Anderson was third in 30k last year at the world championships. She has so many podiums, I think she has like I, I don't want to quote the exact number, but she's 23 24 years old and she has like something like over 50 podiums or something insane. Like, I thought the race was done, I thought it was like done and dusted and in the box. And mm-hmm. like you said, Holly and Sadie or Sadie, I guess, said it, where like no one wanted to work in the wind. And, like, Claudel was out there actually doing a lot of the work for for that chase group. That said, it's not like Rosie looked, like, super great with her technique in that chase group either. Like, people were tired out there, too. Uh, I think, like, technically, the ones that stand out that looked the least tired technically was Perez, of course. (laughs) Her technique doesn't change. But, like, anyone else shocked with Sundling? like soon yeah. comes forth. yeah, And, but like, regardless of the result, how she was skiing, like Sundling was skiing phenomenally and hitting her angles really well. And, and just like on a crazy day, I think. And, um, but I thought it was done and dusted. And then, like you said, Holly, like with two K to go, or like just under, you're like, Oh my God, like, I think Ebba could crack here. And then and then it went from, yeah, what was it? Like 20 something seconds down to like less than five. And it seemed like I blinked and they were right there. And then just watching that scene coming up that hill into the stadium broke my heart for, for Eva Anderson, who had to do so much of the work completely alone, only to have it all go up and smoke and then finishing a distant eight. Of course, we all know how that is. Like once, once Niskanen goes by, you're like, who cares? Who cares? I'm dead. I'm, I'm standing still. She knows she's standing still. And when when Quidel goes by and, and Rosie goes by, I mean, then it's like whatever. But still, I, it was it was heartbreaking well, to watch Eva Anderson uh, almost put it together.
3: Can yeah. we can we create a, a a special Devin Kershaw podcast memorial heartbreak award that we can give to both Eva yeah. Anderson and and I think Rosie Brennan has to get one. Um, and maybe this is oh, an appropriate yeah. segue to Rosie's performance. I mean, I just. She worked so hard today and, you know, had have, have the chance to talk with her and hear from Niskanen in the uh, press conference afterward. I mean, you saw Rosie at the front of that chase pack wishing she had been able to make that move that, you know, she felt like she just kind of tactically missed the, the point where, where Teresa Johag mm-hmm. and, and that other lead pack broke away. And then she's stuck in this group where she, I think, is just the fittest person in that group and there's no one that can really help. She was talking after the race about how she was, you know, trying to get these other ladies to pitch in and help bring them back, like literally was like yelling at them on the course. Like, can some of you guys like go to the front? And she said these like fins like Niskanen and Parmakoski, like they were just completely stone silence and and Niskanen uh, in the press conference was basically like, yeah, you know, we... I was, I was tired on the uphills and, you know, didn't really have a lot more to give. So, you know, and, and it's like, what else can Rosie do in this situation? I think she felt like her skis were not as fast as the Finns skis either. And I think, you know, the Finns also said they thought their skis were faster than Rosie's and it seemed like that was an advantage, but just, you know, I mean, I I don't think Rosie should leave this Olympics with anything but pride, but you know that this is reality and she's going to leave it with pride and like, Also just probably some sleepless nights wondering about like, you know, what else she could have done to, to end up with medals because she clearly had medal winning fitness.
2: So first of all, like she should be able to sleep soundly because she did everything possible. you know, I mean, except for, I don't know, like maybe be in the position at the, you know, at the very beginning, like where that, that group of four like took off but I mean, we were, we're here sitting in Alaska, you know, with Tyler Cornfield, her boyfriend, it's like, you know, obviously like teammates and, and Rosie fans. And we're just like, oh my goodness. Like it hurt watching her like pull everyone around, you know? And I think Sadie's comment was like, you know, her <laughs> should like let Rosie take a big bite out of her medal Cause like that was, you know, Rosie did a lot of work for that. So, I mean, it was kind of heartbreaking to see her work so hard and like, literally like pull up and kind of look around and exchange some words and ask them if they wanted it or ask them if they were planning on do anything, doing anything. And yeah, it seemed like the Finns had better skis. Sure. Maybe you're tired. I think that it was also just, to be honest, like not willing to do some of the work and, um, and, you know, it's just one of those things where every, you kind of look around and it's like, hey, are we going to work together to try to catch that group up there? Or, you know, are we going to like hang back and like sandbag a bit and, you know, just, just hope and cross our fingers that it works out. It was incredibly frustrating to watch Rosie have to do a lot of the work and then, you know, come up short at, at the end. But I think she should be able to sleep soundly because- she, she skied amazing, you know, um, and she, she should be proud and incredibly frustrated.
4: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I feel like the tactics of, uh, of pack skiing are so difficult because Rosie's strength is, is the work and some of those girls behind her, their strength are pulling the move at the right time. And so, I mean, if Rosie were to use their tactics, she would walk home regretting that she didn't use Mm -hmm. her strength and she did every single time there was an uphill. She, she went to the front and worked. So I don't think that there's, there's a single thing, like Holly said that she can regret, but that being said, like, as soon as that race was over, my first instinct was exactly as Holly said, like she deserves a giant bite out of Curtis (laughs) medal because she did, she did the majority of the work of that race. And unfortunately, like, you don't, you don't get that bite, even though you want it, but, um, hopefully she has the opportunity to recognize that she did everything she could. And, and I feel like she has a similar feeling from the sprint race, like being fourth place and just getting boxed in. And, and that's the reality of the Olympics. And honestly, every race you ever start is like, you hope everything works out the way that your strengths align it to, but there's so much that's out of your control. And like, that's what makes those amazing days. So amazing because so much has to come together to make a perfect day. Like, you know, like Jesse just had, like, she was in the right place at the right time. She skied her heart out. She, she had the guts when she needed it. And those days are like far and few among a lot of really challenging experiences in between. And so hopefully all those girls can walk away just appreciating that they had the guts today and that's what counted. But I mean, I think if Rosie hadn't done that,
2: like oh, we would for have sure. seen Ebba, Ebba going home with a bronze medal, like if, yeah. if Rosie had not put in that work, Eva Anderson would be going home with a bronze medal for Sweden. Like no doubt about it.
1: Yeah. No, for, for sure. I agree with you, Holly. And the thing is, and Sadie, I agree with you guys completely, but the, 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 thing that is tough is like, listen, like sport is a cynical game and mm-hmm. Kirtu put her chips all yeah. in that the likes of a Claudel or a Rosie that she skied with for many years and knows how they race are going to take the lion's share of these work, the work, especially on the working sections. And, and Sundling is not expected to do any work, even though she was the one that looked the best uh, in, in that, in that group of girls, like technically, I mean, yeah. she doesn't even start many distance races. People don't really know how good she is on the Scandinavian cup when she does the distance races there. I mean, she's not a, she's not a face you see in every single distance race as a world cup skier. So Kier two gambled and it worked. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect to for, for here too. I mean, I understand I've been in that position, both sides of the position where people look and go like, come on, do some work. And I'm like, I can crush all you guys in a sprint finish. Why am I going to do the work here? And then yeah. also on the other side, I've been the person in a mass start in good shape going, like, come on, help me. Like we can get back to, to whoever's off the front, like uh, a or, or Dario, who, you know, is going to work. It's going to be hard to get back if we don't work together. But that said, this is what's the toughest thing for Rosie for me. And I agree with you. I mean, like fourth and sixth, just rewind five years and start pulling up Rosie's results and start talking yeah. to Rosie when she's getting totally. kicked off the national team. Respect, like, or sorry, not respect. Um, like feeling like you did everything you can. Rosie leaves these Olympics with a fourth and sixth place. I mean, and a great relay leg. Can we talk about that? Like Rosie's relay leg was, uh, in the sprint relay, sorry. It, she did everything she needed to do in the sprint relay to have a medal. Yes. And, uh, because of some undisciplined skiing by Jesse, Jesse ran out of gas at an inopportune time in this, in the team sprint. So, I mean, Rosie hats off, but, but, uh, it's, it's a psychological game out there too. And I give it to Kirtu to, to, to play her cards. I agree with you though, Holly, like she, it, it, she got lucky in the sense that like you had not just Rosie, but like Claudel helping a bit, um, and that wouldn't have happened had uh, those two girls also been looking around and saying like, no, we're just going to fight it out for fourth then, and, uh, but it's, I I think Rosie, I mean, (laughs) we're all athletes, right, like, this is what people don't really understand that are sitting at home, like, with their careers being over, like, that medal or whatever, and it sounds so stupid, because an Olympic medal, I know how big, big it is or whatever, but I, you know, my wife's an Olympic medalist and like, who knows where those medals are here? You know what I mean? Like, I mm-hmm. don't know if there's somewhere in this house, but, but it's the performance that you remember, or it's the, the hard work you remember. And, and Rosie should be incredibly proud to deliver a performance like she did. I was though, little pushback. I was a bit stressed out there, even though she was working hard. I felt like Rosie looked like it was costing her big time to work hard like that. And when they started swallowing up, when they started to swallow at Eva Anderson, like we talked about and you knew it was the writing was on the wall. Eva wasn't going to get him at all. I was like, I hope what I saw was just the wind and just like kind of weird conditions. And I hope Rosie has that, that big sprint. Cause like on paper, other than Sundling, <laughs> other than Sundling, but Sundling was such a wild card, who knows what she's going to do at the end of a 30 K, but like Niskanen versus Rosie in a skate sprint finish with 600 meters to go. I'm like, Rosie's going to blow the doors off Niskanen no matter what. But in the end she like you said she just she did what she could and she just didn't have that last bit of magic and she had she lacked that last little bit of energy to to be the one to blow the doors off Ebba. She you know I would have expected she would have been the Niskanen in in that in that position and was it because she pulled too much? Was it because her skis were a little slow? Was it because you know what? Rosie just wasn't good enough to take the medal today. Who knows? There's there's so many what ifs, but she should definitely be proud of her performance. Well,
3: and I think maybe Holly said this already while I was on the phone fighting with a, a, a press person that's not happy with me right now. Um, but, you know, I, are they even in that position if Rosie doesn't work as hard as she worked earlier in the race to keep them close? And, you know, if she doesn't do that, yeah, maybe she's, you know, sharper in that sprint, but that sprint happens obviously for fourth place because they don't catch up by Anderson. I mean, I, you know, I, it's, it's, it's exactly just like, you could you could you could parse that out any number of ways so
2: it's just so hard like i mean for me like i identify more as like a workhorse or whatever and i mean you don't get a medal for being like noble you don't get a medal for like being a hard worker right or just putting your head down and you know so kurtu had strategy she had you know she played her cards right and she was rewarded and you know it worked out and I mean, that's great. Like there's a little part of me that as Rosie's friend is like, gosh, darn it. That's so cheap, you know, but I mean, at the same time, like you have to, you need to know how to win. Right. And exactly, I hate hate saying that it's it's true though. I I hate saying that and it's true. Right. Because obviously my heart's with Rosie. Right. But I mean, again, she just did everything she could and, you know, had she pulled up then they would have all been just like i don't know in a big sprint like pseudo sprint for like fourth fifth sixth seventh like i don't know at that point do you really do you really care like she had to try something and kurtu and and krista weren't doing anything and i don't know then we saw kurt or uh, krista just drop away like that happened fast
3: but okay, did you see what so.
1: happened to, did you did you see what happened to parmakowski she broke a pole at the bottom of one of those big climbs on the back, and then she had to go oh. to her coach to get the pole. Super windy. It was the same with Holland yesterday. Yeah, breaking a pole at the bottom of some of these big climbs in the wind. You yeah. think like, oh yeah, well Parmakowski's just going to climb right back under the pack or, or Holland yesterday. I mean, yeah. come on. You're like, oh, pff, who cares? holland can break seven poles and still ski up to the pack. <laughs> but no, not when it's nuking wind. You can't, and not when you're like on the verge of cramping you're at the end of a long championship. So uh the karma police, then maybe for not helping out when she was in the pack uh, bit or something, I felt bad for her, like breaking a pole there and, and not being able to, to get back to that pack. And then she yeah. was just totally off the back. And, but before, cause I mean, everyone listening for sure is like, why don't you just like talking about Jesse? We're going to talk about Jesse. Don't worry. Jesse gets a lot of airtime in her life. NBC, like she, she, <laughs> she doesn't need to get all the airtime here, but we will give her the mm-hmm. airtime. But before we move on to that, the American women, like Laukley should have been 12th, but she went the wrong way. She went into the she went into the lap lane instead of the finish lane. I don't know if you guys caught that. So she had oh, to turn turn back. You know what? Yeah, she had to turn back and spend like 20 seconds. And so, but anyways, great performance for Laukley. You have all the women, you have four women in the top 18. You have McCabe yeah. in 18th. You have Laukley, who should have been 12th, but ended up 16th. Then you have Rosie in sixth. You have Diggins on the podium. It was a banner day for the US women. And Sandrine Brown from Canada coming 16th. Sorry, I just said luckily came 16th, which she didn't, but um, she was 15th. I uh, think she was 15th. Yeah. yeah, she was 15th. But so, but uh, Sandrine Brown has a career day, comes 16th. Again, these women on the Canadian team, I mean, KSJ, Catherine Stuart jones comes 30th. I'm sure she's a little disappointed with that. But regardless of the fact is, the, the names that aren't all over the Scandinavian press and all over the, you know, the the big names in cross-country skiing also had great days here. And I just wanted to highlight that because I thought, uh, I thought everyone from North America was skiing, not everyone, but Daria had a tough day, but other than that, people skied well. And then I just wanted to get your guys' reactions. Like you were such mentors and you were mentored and to see a young team deliver performances like that at the end of the championship, uh, that's got to give every U.S. ski fan like huge, huge confidence and also joy. I mean, <laughs> because they were just skiing so, so well for being so young and, and inexperienced. What did you uh, what did you think, Holly and Sadie?
2: I mean, the depth there was incredible and like what a way to make your Olympic debut. Right. And I mean, Devin, you know like oh, yeah. how how much energy just being at the Olympics can take. And, you know, having the, the like, 30 and 50K at the end, like, half the Olympic Village is packed up and gone home, right? That's like, what she you said. know, Sean White's like, hey, I'm at the Super Bowl, like, peace out, right? And you just have to, like, maintain your mental and, like, psychological energy just being there and sitting and waiting. And, you know, Sophia, like, hadn't raced at all in, until this, right? She's young. It's her first Olympics, right? Like, she hasn't I,
3: raced in a month yeah
2: right right and so I mean the depth is amazing um you know I think it's really exciting like I I don't know what do you think Sades
4: yeah I mean I of course exactly exactly that I think just having the the strength to watch your teammates like for Sophia she's watching Novi her teammate from Utah and they're just constantly having great races, and they're fighting for the medals the whole time. And to keep your focus and excitement and um, I don't know energy to that point is challenging. It's super challenging, especially your first Olympics when you think you're going to Disney World, and then you show up and you're like they're spraying chemicals everywhere, and you're following <laughs> robots around, and it's not Disney World. Like to deal with that for three weeks and then put together a performance like that is is really admirable, and I hope that. I hope that young kids don't look at that as feeling like that's impossible and they could never be at that level but hopefully they look at that and feel it's attainable because um, I mean these girls like two years ago were quite a distance behind so those, those gaps close yeah. like, quick <laughs> I mean I do have I, I to want...
2: say like a, a long skate race at altitude is kind of like the US women's team's dream right like <laughs> except for mine except for for Sadie's but (laughs) the rest of us would like love a long skate race at altitude if like every other race were that format like bring it on right like (laughs) that really suits our team well so that doesn't take away anything from from the performance though um because it was it was notable it was incredible it was something to write home about for sure
3: I just, I just wanted to relate that Sophia Loughley, like she got just the like most harsh welcome to like, you know, here is like the, the spotlight of racing at the Olympics. She takes this wrong turn, goes the wrong way, um, comes to the finish line, comes through the mix zone. And, you know, I'm the only, I think American reporter aside from NBC who's in a separate place. and. Um, I start to ask her a question and they're like five Scandinavian journalists that just like stick their phones out and they're like, tell them what, how did you go the wrong way? What happened? And she's like, I, you know, I like there was a huge gust of wind, and I couldn't see what was going on, and and they were like, well, and what what what, what is going through your mind in this time? She's like, I started crying, and they're like, well, did you start crying like before you got to the finish line or after? And I'm, just like, I'm like, I'm like, maybe we could just like ease into these. Like these are all questions I have too, but like you know, we could also like ask her about what it's like to race the Olympics first. That's so I mean, she just like. She just really, I I thought, I mean, she she just kind of, she kind of stood there. I mean, it was like everyone was with Jesse. So these poor U.S. women were left to kind of navigate this mixed zone, which is the area where they come through and meet reporters after the race by themselves. Like they, and, and, you know, these are, these ladies are like, you know, 20, 21, 22 years old. And just, I don't know. I mean, they actually, I think they handled it really well, but it was just just like, okay, like you're, you're in it. And I mean, Sophia said kind of all the exact things that you We're describing Holly as far as like you know having to just wait and not being able to race and not knowing where she was going to be and you know the one thing I would say was like she seemed pretty in pretty rough shape mentally about like losing those places just because of how far she fought how hard she fought in that race I mean you guys can speak to this better than me but I don't think in like ten years anyone's going to remember that she was fifteenth instead of thirteenth and you know still an awesome race
1: no 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 one remembers.
2: let's just offer her a little condolence by saying like they didn't even show that on the feed that we were watching. So <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes, yeah, so we didn't know
2: that. We, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, we, we didn't know that until like right now. So at least like, I don't know, a lot of the people in the U S didn't see it,
3: yeah. but
4: also that's a better, yeah, place there you go. She's not going to know the, and the thing about the Olympics is, is you just you don't remember what place you are. You were like the other no. day somebody asked me what my best place was and Joe told them 7th and I'm like I don't think I was ever 7th. But <laughs> I mean the, the reality is like you either won a medal or you didn't. And if you won a medal the only difference is you made a little bit of money and you had a platform to tell your story. But like you're an Olympian regardless and you remember the good's and the mm. bads and like yeah.
3: I didn't want to say it, but it, you know, it, it's, she should be grateful she wasn't in third place.
4: Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Right. That would be heartbreaking, but you, you know, this is heartbreaking in the moment, but yeah. Yeah.
1: It's is, okay. it, uh, is, is it time to talk about Jesse Diggins? Yeah. It's time to start about Jesse Diggins speaking of the platform, <laughs> speaking of the platform and, and the performance and we've been touching on it through the whole, through the whole pod or whatever. Like, she skied two thirds of that thing, like completely alone in the wind and her technique also was like, it, it was like, she was a total, it was a suffer fest for two thirds of that race as well. And you saw it all over. And I mean, with Jesse Diggins, I know like she, she doesn't just wear her personality on her sleeve. She also just like her technique is kind of like it, it illustrated how hard she's working as well. And, and but what a performance skis it totally alone comes in alone after a performance like that, winning a silver medal, her third, she's completed the set now. Now she has a gold, a silver, and a bronze. Yeah, And a lot of pressure for this one. She's had a lot of pressure the last couple world championships, like we've talked about, where, where things have just, she's made bad tactical mistakes in some. She ran out of energy in some others. And here at these Olympics, she came fighting fit, gets an individual bronze in the sprint and then finishes the championship as kind of like the favorite, like, like here in Norway, everyone's like, Oh yeah, Jesse's going to win a medal in the 30 K like that. It was almost like it was Mm. written. And I'm like, I don't think so. There's a lot of great women here. And I'm reading some of this stuff in Norway and being like, I realize Jesse's good and stuff, but this like, she's raced a lot and there's a lot of other women that can do it. And nope. She, she just lived up to those expectations and then some and delivers a silver medal. I mean, it's so stupid to say it because of course she's the best um, american w- skier ever <laughs> that that goes without saying she has a world cup globe she has three olympic medals she has world championship medals like the the palmares aside you, you know she's going to go down as, as a historic figure she already is in the us skiing but i think i think for me that was incredibly impressive is and i say this over and over and you guys have lived it as you've lived with her, but like her ability to just punish herself out there, out there. And then when I heard that she had food poisoning and she's been battling like a bad stomach, uh that just adds to the legend in some ways. But I I'm just I'm just wildly inspired by the depth of pain Jesse Diggins can willingly put herself in. And the fact that she was rewarded for for an effort like that is huge. And then for the team this is what people don't get either. Like I've said this a lot too. And I know you girls can jump on it, but like, you know what Jason Quarks meant to Jesse and it's not just him. It's the whole team. It's his teammates and stuff. But as a North American athlete, you have to give your life to this at a level that is that no European can understand, you know, every year, Jesse's like packing her bags in the fall and like, peace out. I'm in Europe for five months. Plus all the training camps. And, you know, Stratton is not where she grew up. It's not like, with her club, like Stratton's home, her boyfriend works and lives in Boston. I mean, like her fiance now, like it, it this is just like, she's under a lot of, it costs a lot. That's what I'm saying. The, the price of admission is high for not just her, but a lot of people around her and hats off a beautiful performance and the legendary performance. When you take into the fact that uh, she, she probably running a little on empty, but was still able to find the strength to do it.
2: Yeah. I mean, for, well, okay. A lot to respond to there. (laughs) I mean, for one, I just think about what we were saying about Krista. She breaks a pole and then like, can't, you know, ski by herself for just a little ways to hook back onto the pack. And Jesse essentially skied the whole way by herself. Right. Like it was so bold. It looked so hard. It looked so painful, Right. And, and she did it. And, you know, I think a lot of the pressure that Jesse has is like, people are now almost expecting her to do superhuman things. Right. And, you know, it's like the, the goalpost moves, right? Like the better you get, like the higher people's expectations become. But I mean, there were moments where she looked great Like, you know, and then moments where she just looked haggard, right? Like coming through the stadium. It's like she was folded in half and you're like, she's falling on her poles and you're like, is she just doing that to like cut through the wind and like try to become a three foot tall person? (laughs) Right? Or is she just going to like fall over and like just tip over to the side of the trail and like... I You know, like disappear. And I mean, it was amazing. And, you know, in these long races, like I always think about what Eric Flora, like our coach says all the time, like, you know, long races are like chapters of a book, right? There are all these different chapters and you have a good chapter and then you have like a hard chapter and then you can come back. And I thought there were times where she looked really, really strong. Right. I, I personally, I did. And other times where you're like, oh man, is this going to be the time that Diggins is going to blow up? Um, But she did it. And she skied so much by herself in that wind. And, you know, she came in coming to Beijing saying, like, I'm from Minnesota, like, bring on the cold, bring on the wind. And, you know, she said today, this
3: today.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She said that coming into the Olympics. And, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, China couldn't have like, given her, uh, like, better conditions or, like, a a better challenge.
3: Um. Sadie?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how to add to that. I kind of feel like that, that summed it up. I mean, I think that there, I think it's easy, like, Jesse never ceases to amaze us because you see things, You know, like there are decisions she made this winter that sometimes you were like, oh, is that right or wrong? Or was it right that she did every single race or whatever? And, you know, Jesse makes a plan and she commits to it. And I have always, I have always thought a lot of her because of that, because sometimes when you're an athlete, that's the hardest thing is to like, just commit to a plan and believe in it. And that's one of her greatest strengths. And like, not only did she do that in her career as a skier she did it this winter she did it today in the race like she decided to fall to race from the very beginning mm-hmm. and that was bold as all heck like that is that's a decision at altitude that is risky and she did it and then she realized she was fighting by herself and she still she's still committed to it she didn't wait for somebody to come and work with her she just went with it and so i mean that was a that was a display of jesse diggins as we know it and um Yeah. She deserves like the world after that. So I think. uh,
2: And it's cool. It's cool that she like bookended the Olympics, right? Like she got a medal, like right at the beginning and then she got a medal at the end. And, you know, when she got that medal at the beginning, I kind of felt like it was kind of like, oh, thank goodness. Like we're not coming home empty handed. Right. And I have to think that at least took like a little bit of pressure off of her and just the whole team in general right and then yeah we were hoping you know for more from for some along the way but you know to come home um with two olympic medals and two historic performances is amazing and you know says a lot for her ability to like perform under pressure like the amount of magazine covers she was on the amount of oh, yeah. like sponsorship deals. She had like, I mean, I was like nauseated for her. Like I, you know, I was just like almost sick to my stomach just with the the pressure and um like how kind of public the the whole thing was. I really felt like she was the darling of the Olympic games almost like coming in, coming in. And, you know, she, she did it. She did it.
1: A few
3: observations from here. I mean, maybe just piggybacking on that last point, Holly. I mean, it's really interesting. Like I have covered this sport for, you know, not that long in the grand scheme of geologic time, but, you know, going on 10 years plus now. And today I, you know, we we hadn't gotten a lot of access to Jesse, which like we hadn't really tried just mainly because I felt like it's kind of pointless. And also we don't really need to hear from her any more than we hear from her. Um, but I also, you know, had kind of made a point in saying, look, you know, it feels like, you know, we're getting really kind of brief windows when she comes through the mix zone, because we're kind of at the very end after she goes through all the TV. And and so I ended up being able to interview her basically after the press conference, while she walked back between the media center to the wax cabins. and And just, you know, having the opportunity to interview her in that kind of context of like, winning these medals and having come through a press conference and kind of nonstop questions, nonstop choreography. It like, I've never felt in cross country skiing that I've dealt with a, a North American athlete that is actually like a star. And, and it, mm. it's like, that came through today where like, you know, it's just like, Jesse was like, there were, she had so many things going on, was being pulled in so many directions, was being taken care of by so many people also kind of was still following her own plan of like, she's like, we're going to go here. I'm going to finish my cool down with this, like walk with you around the wax cabins. And then like, it's time to go. Thanks Matt. I'll see you later. You can take a picture, but only if it's really quick, bye. And, and like, you know, none of that is meant as a complaint. It's just meant as like, you know, it's really interesting to see that kind of growth and evolution in Jesse, in the sport, a couple other sort of just details from the racing today that I would share. Um, she talked a little bit about how, you know, she said she started cramping like really early. And, you know, for anyone who's listening to this podcast, who's experienced cramping in an, in a race, like excruciating, not what you want to be dealing with, particularly like early in a long race. And she said that ended up leaving her having to rely much more on her arms, which felt pretty good compared to her legs, even though she normally is much more of a leg focused skier. And so she That was sort of her explanation for maybe why she didn't exactly look like a million bucks today out there on the trails. She also said, um, really, that she, like, in a way that, you know, you, you'll often kind of hear people be like, you know, I really, it was great. I had a great crowd of people cheering out there like she was basically saying, you know, it felt like there were just people around the entire course, like biathlon team members were out there. Techs were like Oleg regilo one of the service guys who's like in the wax cabins normally, like he's out there like screaming at Jesse. And and just it seemed like, you know, and Julia Kern and Hayley swervel were were at the finish line today. Like Susanna, the physiotherapist from Alaska, like she's always around, but she was like, you know, I think of anyone, I, I, I don't know if anyone was like more stoked on this result than, than Susanna Rogers was today. Like it, it was, it was pretty cool to just sort of see that like full team turn, turnout and enthusiasm for, for, for that performance. And um, I don't know. I mean, there, there's probably a little more we could say about sort of how she was feeling with food poisoning and whatnot, but I, you know, those were just kind of the, the big picture things that felt like they were important to add.
4: Well, one thing I'd love to add too about like the, you know, we often kind of laugh at when Jesse gets tired, she flops or whatever it is. But like, I grew up during the era that it was Mart Bjorgen, Therese. Like, everyone looks so darn perfect. Like, when you look at the people winning medals, it's like, well, I got things going around like flopping a lot more than that. Like, it just doesn't feel attainable and like that is one of the greatest things that will come out of watching a performance like that. Like every little kid that watches that and sees her like huffing over the top of the stadium hill, like double pulling or skiing three feet tall. You're not really sure what's going on. Is like, <laughs> that's attainable. <laughs> and I do think that will that will pay its dividends in the U.S. Like, I mean, we're seeing it already pay its dividends with like the fact that we have a whole bunch of these young kids that are somehow top 15. But I do think it will... Like as much as we laugh about it, I think it's like actually a a real blessing in disguise. I
2: mean, Jesse is like not human, but there are parts of her that make it look human. Yeah, I think is what you're yeah. what you're saying. And and now and now she gets to get her freaking medal at the closing ceremonies of the Olympic Games. And so, even people who like weren't t- tuning into our sport, like I I think it's just cool to get like some extra hype or like extra attention um for cross-country skiing and I mean it's pretty cool right to like get your Olympic medal at the closing ceremonies in front of I don't know everyone who's there and all of the worldwide feeds that are tuning into that like it's just a it's an even bigger audience and you know Jesse has been um a really good a really good like personality or character for our sport popularizing it
1: totally and I think you make a awesome uh point about the closing ceremony uh there's not many organizations I have less respect for than the IOC uh, <laughs> I think it's just like a dumpster fire is not even doing it justice it's like the Pacific garbage Island on fire, uh, out there. But, but the fact that we had the women's 30 K on the Sunday to close this thing out, to finish this off, we had the women's 30 at the last race. Usually it's the men's 50 and it has been since 1924. Right. And like you said to Holly, like getting your medal at the closing ceremonies, this is a change the IOC made only a few Olympics ago. Because before that, it was the men, 50K, that got the medal at the closing ceremonies, yeah. not the 30K as well. And the fact that they now do them together uh, and that it was the women this year for the first time ever in Olympic history that, that took the thunder and closed the chapter of the Beijing Olympics and that we had an American get a gutsy silver medal and Terezio hug that goes down as, you know, the best distance skier that ever lived for women Uh, get recognized on a platform like that like it it is uh it is pretty special and and um finally the IOC makes a decision that uh looks kind of is the right decision and the the just decision I I think it's I I think it was great you brought that point up
3: and and I think we you know I have to assume FIS has a hand in that too like that wouldn't happen without FIS, and and you know for as much as we have trashed FIS during, during this podcast this, this year, I feel like, you know, they're, they're part of that picture too. And, and definitely like deserve some credit for, for, for that, um, you know, how, however much or little you would assign to that. I'll, I'll concede,
1: I'll concede that I'll concede it too. Cause you're right. Like there's only, well, I mean, IOC takes the cake for corrupt organizations, but FIS has done some pretty questionable decisions as well through the, through the years, but yes, FIS on the record. Good job. Good decision having the women close this thing out. So, fist in the IOC, raise a glass of that like 1937, no, not 37, there'd be a war, I guess, it'd be like 1925 uh, Dom Perignon you guys drink on a Tuesday and uh, <laughs> cheers to yourselves because it, it was a great decision.
2: So, that's an equitable move. And I just have to throw out the fact that I was texting Nat and just laughing because, you know, there have been these articles about should, we, should the women race as far as the men and you know should it be equal distance whoa, 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 whoa. Can, we
3: not, can we not like be throwing shade on these articles as the writer of those articles oh well
2: no I mean you and I have been talking about this for a long time and then I just had to text Nat and be like oh my gosh the irony right of, like, the men and women racing essentially the same distance. Actually, the women racing longer than the men, right, in the, in the you know, these last races here. And, I mean, this is not me going on the record being like, yeah, we should no longer race at 50K. But I just have to talk about the irony of, of that, that it ended up being, you know, almost, almost the same. And I have to say, the, men, the men's race yesterday as a shorter race was like maybe one of the more exciting men's races that I've seen in a long, (laughs) long time. So (laughs) I, I don't know. What do you do with that?
1: (sighs) Uh, What do you do with
3: that? (laughs) I think what, I think what we do with it is crack a beer and say we recorded like 15 podcasts in the past three weeks, Pat ourselves on the back and uh, yeah, call it, call it a day unless, there's any other really compelling storylines from today or the Olympic games that we need to cover.
1: No, I say we call it a day and I thanks so much to Holly or jump in Holly. If you got something on your mind, let's do it. (laughs) I just feel bad for you guys. It's getting late.
2: (laughs) I mean, the only thing I want to say is that the Olympics are over and it's such a weird period of time now for the athletes and like Sadie and I were sitting here reminiscing. And after Sochi, it was like five days later we were in Lati, and it was kind of like, did that just happen? Like it felt, you know, it feels kind of like a, like a blur and, you know, this big, I don't know if Sadie was saying that she, she liked the couple of weeks after the Olympics. I don't know. I thought it was kind of like a letdown and you kind of question like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, (laughs) I miss my people. I kind of want to go home, but you know, I guess I just, since this is the last race and the Olympics are over um, the therapist in, in me wants to acknowledge kind of the post-Olympic letdown. Um, you know, that a lot of athletes might have. You know, I don't know how many people are also going to retire after this, after this year. Um, but I guess I I don't know. I don't have anything really specific to say other than, you know, this period of time post-Olympics can be really hard for a lot of these people that we've been glorifying and cheering for for. long time. And so if we all just kind of remember that, that they're human and um, even if they didn't win a medal that they, you know, they, they're amazing skiers too. And, you know, they're also just, they're not just skiers, right. They're, they're human beings with, you know, all of these other, other feelings and emotions and things that they're going to go do in their, in their lives. So I don't know. Devon, if you want
1: anything to say to that, but yeah, no, I, 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 I uh, I don't have much to add to that. I thought it was quite eloquent, and and it's true. It's it's so true, you know. uh, Perspective is something that is really hard to keep a hold of as an athlete, especially as a young athlete. I think it's a little easier when you're in your 30s, but um, when you've been through the ringer a bit. But it's uh, for sure. I mean, you you kind of organize your life in these quadrennials, which is Mm -hmm. just so arbitrary. And then the Olympic Games is. So absurd, really. Like, when you think about it, like, no sponsors anywhere, all these strict rules, all this, like, everything's so weird. It's not like what you're, doesn't matter how much World Cup experience you have, the Olympics is something else entirely. And then, like you said, one day the the curtain falls, and, and that's that. And what's funny that you brought up too is like, these athletes are going to Lati, they are going to go to Oslo, they're going to Fallujah, and they're going to close out the World Cup season. And the highs and lows, and the energy expended at the Olympics, getting ready for the Olympics, uh, starting that that um, debriefing process of like how this quadrennial go. You, you really can't. You're not afforded the time to have that reflection because the World Cup marches on, and you have to wait another three and a half or four weeks before the whole thing's done, and then you can and then you can reassess and start planning for the next one. And I think that is a a really important point you brought up, Holly. It's um, yeah, that the Olympics are, 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 are a beautiful thing in a lot of ways. And they're also just like incredibly weird in, in most other ways and uh, hats off to all the athletes that competed. And yeah, it sounds like uh, the dad that I am, the dorky dad that I am, but like, Hey, you get out there, you did the best you could and hold your head up high. And the next Olympics, the cross country events are going to be in Valdez And I'm so pumped. You guys will have so much more fun there. Uh, hopefully this <laughs> Corona pandemic is chilled out or we haven't been smacked with something else. And um there's a lot to look forward to
3: We're, their wine will be flowing we'll be eating risotto and chunks of parmesan cheese which oh I yeah it out at the coaches meeting the last time i was in Valdefiame. and like it you know oh, yeah. i i do actually also want to say one other thing which is like you know it, it's interesting like i have these really conflicting emotions right now about china where it's like i'm getting i'm doing some reporting on like cross-country skiing in China and just like getting really into like some of the seamy shit that like is global sport with like money and markets and industry and like Mm -hmm. on the one hand you want to take a shower and then and then also we're seeing like you know we could be somewhere in like middle Europe like you know soaking in sunshine like at some like great traditional ski resort and instead we're like here in this like temporary warehouse building where the roof is about to blow off like their start lists blowing around the stadium like it, it, it like this is not this is not a place for cross country skiing and I don't I don't like say that in like a hostile or pejorative way it's just like you know if you were going to go out for like a nice championships or a nice tour like it sure as heck would not be here today and yes you can get bad weather elsewhere but like this is a really harsh place Mm -hmm. um but on the other hand like you talk to the athletes here and like uh, yeah i think there were definitely like some challenges that were inherent to holding the olympics here during a pandemic but like i I do just want to say like the this investment that china and that chinese people and the chinese volunteers have made in pulling this off like all these folks are now going to go into quarantine for three more weeks before they can go back to like life in china um like you know there are folks that have been like decked out in these like full Tyvek suits that are like frosted over face shields like because of the freaking cold and moisture and it's like um you talk to people here, you know, there there are some journalists and TV people that are like, "Oh, this place sucks, like it's not fun whatever." But like from my perspective, like we had awesome races. We like the logistics were no worse than they were anywhere else. Like the food was great, stuff worked um and and you know, we we got to like see this cool different new culture that's not really a winter sports culture that's trying to be a winter sports culture and you know, I I, I hate to kind of drag this podcast out any longer but I just I kind of want to like without ignoring the fact that there are like a million people detained in in Xinjiang like I think you know it's important to just appreciate the efforts that were invested in in pulling off this Olympics I heard someone told me today 200,000 people involved in putting the Olympics on uh, which is just like it's mind-boggling and when you see it here it just like the number of people and the and the meticulousness of efforts that are going into pulling this off, like it, it's pretty amazing, and shouldn't be just kind of ignored
1: or forgotten. Yeah. yeah. So hats off, hats off to everyone involved in pulling it off. Like you said, now that's uh, that's good perspective there too. Yep. Sweet. You're the Sweet. boss. Well, thanks, we Holly. Yeah, we're gonna call it a day. Sadie, Holly. Always super fun to see you and catch up uh, from a selfish perspective and also for, uh, help us <laughs> break down the race. Take care of yourselves.
0: Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back.